Greetings, film fans, and welcome to another episode of the Following Feature Podcast. I'm your host, Arthur Wilde, and I'm here every week to give you a rundown of the latest film news and gossip. Plus, I also try to break down a few films that you may or may not want to see. Um, now, that could be a couple of films that I think are, are coming out and, you know, worth talking about, or films that you might have just missed... And, you know, you should really go and, and find them and, and give them a watch. And there are definitely prime examples of that this week. Um, no new releases to talk about necessarily, because, let's face it, where am I going to see them? Um, until new things come out on streaming platforms, I will not have a, a chance to watch anything. So I've been watching old things. And um, one of the things we're going to be talking about today when we get to our film reviews is uh, time travel. Uh, this is a time travel special in regards to the films we're reviewing, um, and in particular, films that involve time travel paradoxes. One of the most difficult things to actually write as a screenwriter is something that, you know, a very complicated time travel paradox story. Um, and we've been talking quite a lot recently about the film Tenet, which came out, Christopher Nolan's big blockbuster with uh, John David Washington and Robert Patterson. Um, as you'll know from listening to this podcast, I absolutely loved that movie. Um, really need to go and see it again, but uh, I get the impression that might be on Blu-ray. But anyway, um, so we're gonna we're gonna look at a few films. We're gonna look at Ryan Johnson's Looper. Um, we're gonna look at Predestination with uh, Ethan Hawke, and we've got a foreign language film. We've got um, uh, Nacho Vigalando's uh, Time Crimes, which is a real hidden gem. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to telling you about those. But let's start where this podcast podcast always starts, if I can actually manage to say the words properly. We'll start from the beginning with our film news. Okay, and our first bit of film news this week. Christian Bale, Margot Robbie and John David Washington, who I just mentioned, have been lined up to star in the new project from screenwriter David O. Russell, who has received Oscar nominations for American Hustle and Silver Linings Playbook. Now, one of those films I really did like. The other, not so much. Uh, Silver Linings Playbook, which uh, starred Bradley Cooper and um, your woman from The Hunger Games. Can't remember her name now for some reason. Anyway, that was, a, that was a surprise hit film, that was. It was a very interesting um, idea about two people with mental health issues that somehow balance each other out. And, you know, it was a, it was a really lovely film. Um, however, American Hustle was one of the most self-indulgent pieces of boring claptrap I've ever had the misfortune to sit through. Um, a stellar cast, but... Who gives a flying fuck? It was just a, a very, very boring film. I think the only thing I liked about that film was Jeremy Renner. Because he got to flex his character acting muscles a little bit. And we don't really get that a lot from him. So, yeah. Not a great film. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, this uh, David O. Russell character, he's a bit of a hit and miss. But he is very well regarded. He is definitely very well skilled. And let's face it, just because he wrote the script for um, American Hustle doesn't mean that that's... The idea that ended up on the screen, it's the director's vision and, and the editor's style that, you know, really dictates how that film turns out in the end. So we'll keep an eye on that one. It's a pretty decent cast. Christian Bale, obviously, um, you know, one of the most versatile method actors of recent times. Margot Robbie, who's just kind of exploded onto the scene and, and done some really great work. And... Um, 
Yes, second generation Washington, Mr. John David, who's been knocking them out of the park recently. He's had a a series of hit films, um, and hopefully that looks to continue. There's been a rumour going around, actually, that DC are considering him um, to play um, the Green Lantern in the the reboot of that character, which was uh, famously played by Ryan Reynolds. Um, So yeah, one to keep an eye out for. There haven't really been... Hasn't really been much talk about what the film's going to be about, but those three actors get signed on before um, anything is really announced, then there must be something good behind it. So fingers crossed. I mean, that's what we said about American Hustle, and again, you know, it's a fart in a spacesuit, that one. But moving on, um, following in the footsteps of the Pirates of the Caribbean and the upcoming Jungle Cruise movie starring The Rock, Disney are looking to take another one of their rides and move it into... Well, try to realise its movie franchise potential. Space Mountain is being adapted into a movie. Uh, it's being adapt- it's been developed by um, Joby Harold, who previously scripted Guy Ritchie's King Arthur movie, which is currently uh, and he's currently writing and producing the Obi Wan series for Star Wars and Disney. Now, this comes on the back of their announcement that they will be um, once again trying to adapt the Haunted Mansion as a movie. Um, so, are we looking at a possible? Another shared universe in the making? You know, all these Disney rides being turned into films. I don't think they really expected the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise to take off as much as it did. Um, And they've been trying to recapture that lightning in a bottle, but it's not always that easy. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, There's no real talk yet about who's going to be in the film, but, you know, Disney... they're not going to half ass it. They're going to throw pretty much all of the money they've got at these films. Um, if you're not really aware at the moment, Disney are, are hemorrhaging money. Um, they, they, a lot of their income is generated by their theme parks. And with Disney World and Disneyland in America being closed kind of semi-permanently, uh, I think Euro Disney in France is at the moment, and they're losing millions and millions every single day. Add that to the fact that they can't release their films at the cinema... So that's no Marvel films, that's no Pixar films, that's no Star Wars films, that's no Disney originals. None of that um, means that they're losing millions upon millions upon millions every single day. Um, and they need to basically speculate to accumulate. It's one of those situations where one of their biggest um, trustees, one of their biggest like um, benefactors, uh, who stands to lose millions if they move some of their current upcoming films onto their Disney Plus streaming platform, has come out and said, listen, I know we're going to take a a, a short-term hit, but long-term, we don't start competing with Netflix with original content being exclusively released on a digital platform. Then they're never going to be able to catch up. They're never going to be able to get on that gravy train of that streaming platform moolah. So, yeah, there's been a lot of push, and um, it is having a certain amount of effect, um... Uh, because, speaking of Disney, Pixar's much-anticipated upcoming movie, Soul, is going to be released um, directly onto Disney+, Plus and just skip the cinema altogether. Um, and this is the thing, Soul is a, is a big upcoming film. It's got the likes of Jamie Foxx, Tina Fey, and Richard Ayoade uh, doing um, the voiceovers. Uh, it's now been pushed back. It was supposed to be out like early this year. It was going to be a, like a big summer film. Um then they pushed it back so it was going to be like around like Halloween time, um, late summer. Uh, but now they've decided that they're just going to 
bite the bullet and it's going to be um, released exclusively on Disney Plus on Christmas Day. Um, So really looking forward to that. Pixar are one of those companies that they they barely put a foot wrong. And um, even as a grown-up, I thoroughly enjoy watching their films. Toy Story 4 shouldn't have been as good as it was. Um, it, it was Every time that another one of those films comes out, I kind of feel it's going to be a, a bit of a cash grab, but I don't think anyone can really argue that those films have, in a way, successfully got better with each iteration, with each chapter that comes out. Um, and Toy Story 4, some groundbreaking uh, animation, some unbelievably fantastic work, um, but a really compelling story as well, and really well executed. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So I will never skip a, a Pixar movie, and I'm really, really looking forward to Soul. I've seen the trailer. Um, it does look really good. It looks really sweet, just the way they do. But yeah, staying on the Disney bandwagon, though, um, kind of. Um, Spider-Man Homeworlds. Yeah, the, the tentative title that's been thrown around and there's been some reliable sources that are backing this up as well, is that the third film in Tom Holland's um, solo Spider-Man movies, because uh, we had um, Homecoming, Far From Home, and keeping with that theme, the third one is rumoured to be called Home Worlds. Now, yes, there are movies going around that, um, well, the rumours going around that the MCU is about to do something that we've all wanted to happen, but never really thought was a possibility. It's been said that Marvel and Disney have approached Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield about reprising their iterations of Spidey in the third instalment of Tom Holland's run. Now, as you'll no doubt be aware, Sony still own the rights to Spider-Man and have an agreement with Marvel that any films featuring the web-slinger will be co-produced between the two studios. The agreement means that Sony can expand their Spider-Verse films with the likes of Venom and Morbius, uh, which happened in the same universe as MCU's Spidey, but doesn't feature anyone else from said universe, making Peter Parker the only link between the universes. So basically what that means is that as the Spider-Man films continue, they will feature um, certain bad guys that you won't see feature anywhere else in the MCU, but they will have their own standalone films. Um, we've had Venom, um, we've got Morbius coming out with Jared Leto, um, and Matt Smith, the old Doctor Who, so that's interesting. Um, but we've also got um, uh, Venom 2, uh, which has the actual title of uh, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, in which we see Woody Harrelson uh, take on the role as Carnage. Those are standalone films, but there is this build-up to what they believe is going to be a Sinister, Sinister Six movie, um, which would see uh, Michael Keaton's Vulture being brought back in um, to be alongside Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio, um, Tom Hardy's Venom, uh, Jared Leto's uh, Morbius, and maybe some others. We don't really know yet what they might be. Um, if they wanted to bring back Alfred Molina as Octopus, Doc, Doc Ock, I would not be against that. I thought Spider-Man 2 of the Sp- Tobey Maguire um, run, out and out one of the greatest superhero films ever made. And it still stands up if you watch that today. Um, yeah. That's why we're all so disappointed with Spider-Man 3, because it wasn't just that it was a, a poor movie, it was a, a bit of a camel, um, which is basically, what I mean by that is a camel is uh, a horse designed by a committee. Um, 
it's just it's not exactly what you're expecting and it's not really what you need and it doesn't really do the job that you wanted it to do so it's just a waste of time um but yeah i digress basically those original trilogies didn't really do too well the the original trilogy didn't do too well because spider-man 3 was there was too many people going on there's too many storylines and nothing was really kind of worked out properly and and then there was that dance number so it just we just we don't really talk about it if we can if we can um but andrew garfield's run as well didn't quite get to a third film um and sony were holding on to the um the rights to spider-man uh but you know mcu wanted to introduce one of their most popular characters so this deal's been created which benefits everyone really but it means that we could get a separate spider-man universe alongside the existing Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, but now they're saying that it could involve the multiverse because the film that comes before the next Spider-Man film will be Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Um, and there's all kinds of stories about the different characters that might be reprising their roles in that film. Uh, there's a rumour going around that original choice Tom Cruise might be appearing as... Um, Iron Man, which would be amazing, um, and also the possibility of John Krasinski playing Captain America, as these two actors were the original actors that were being considered for the role. John Krasinski actually auditioned for Captain America before Chris Evans got the role. So, yeah, watch this space. What really does make it interesting, though, is um, there could be rival multiverse franchises happening, because DC are also looking to do a bit of a multiverse situation. Uh, the Flash film, which is coming out, is now actually going to be a Flashpoint film. And if you're up to date with your comic books, then I don't need to explain that one to you. But if you're not, basically there was a comic book that came out many years ago called Flashpoint, in which the Flash, uh, who's the speedster, the guy that runs super fast, he ran so fast that he travelled back in time to, um, to save his mother, I believe... I might be just going by the uh, the TV version of the storyline. Um, but in doing so, he changed history and he created this um, flashpoint moment in which different alternative universes clashed. Um, and what we've found already is that the first big name that they've announced being signed up for the flashpoint movie is Michael Keaton as Batman. Um, so we could be seeing... Um, other iterations of different characters coming back and playing uh, versions. There's a rumour that Christian Bale might be coming back. Um, um, ben Affleck has already signed on to be the Batfleck um, a couple more times in, in different ways. We don't really know the full details of that yet, but as this speculation keeps building, it seems more and more like multiverses might be the big thing going on in superhero movies. Um, and that's very, very exciting. I mean, the idea that we might be seeing an actual live-action Spider-Verse movie. Um, if you don't know, we've already had a Spider-Verse movie, the animated one from um, Lord and Miller. Uh, Lord and Miller, who were dropped from the Han Solo film about 70% of the way through making it, and had to be told that they weren't doing a good enough job, around the same time they were picking up an Oscar for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, the animated feature that was such a huge hit. In that we saw um, Miles Morales uh, trying to help the existing Spider-Man take on Kingpin, only to see this, his Spider-Man get killed. 
uh, and Kingpin getting his way, um, opening up the multiverse, and suddenly other spider people, I don't want to say Spider-Men, but we had Spider-Gwen, um, we had Spider-Man Noir, we had uh, Spider-Ham, I mean, just, yeah. But it worked really, really well, and now they're looking at the possibility of having a multiverse of different Spider-Men. Um, it would be kind of weird as well, because they're all playing Peter Parker, but I'm not sure how they're going to explain the fact that they don't look like each other. It's going to be an interesting one, but it's very exciting. Um, and this is all going to be, like, um, well, it's all going to be preceded by uh, the WandaVision TV series, which is the continuation of Wanda um, Maximoff's story, uh, Wanda, who's the, the Scarlet Witch from the MCU, um, and how she managed to, manages to distort the fabric of reality to bring back Vision, who was killed in the MCU. Spoilers. Um, that uh, apparently leads to her becoming the, the villain in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, as he tries to rectify what she's done. But there has also also already been confirmation that um, the Doctor Strange film will be impacting on the Spider-Man film and vice versa. So multiverses, it all seems to be happening. It all seems to be, you know, absolutely... You know, there's, there's some weight behind these rumours and we're now considering the fact that we really might be seeing a multiverse movie with different Spider-Men. Uh, Tobey Maguire now, um, who I think has got to be in his 40s. Must be. Yeah. And Andrew Garfield, mid-30s, I think. How those guys got away with playing teenagers in the first place, I don't know. I think they, they really hit the nail on the head with Tom Holland, but we'll see what they do with the movies. Um, but for now, that's that's pretty much it in regards to news. Um, uh, speaking of films that have just dropped, actually, I know uh, The Trial of the Chicago 7 has just dropped on Netflix. Um, so I will be reviewing that next week. Um, and I'm thinking of doing uh, a Sasha Baron Cohen special. But that might be a bit... I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm thinking about that one. But yeah, I'm, I'm saying that no new films are coming out. Obviously, films are still coming out. Um, but yeah. I'm also leading up to doing a horror special because obviously we got um, Halloween coming up at the end of the month. And um, yeah, I've been going through I've been going through my Blu-ray today actually trying to find out which films that I'm, I'm planning to watch in advance. And I actually have quite a disappointing amount of horror films on Blu-ray. Um, I mean, I've got, I'm just looking at them right now. I've, I was picking them out. I've got Shaun of the Dead, Land of the Dead, um, An American Werewolf in London, and The Evil Dead Trilogy. So, um, yeah, I had to have a look online. But let me know, what do you think are the perfect horror films that I should be reviewing? Um, and again, we've got to make sure that there's some blockbusters in there. But also, I'm going to be looking for a hidden gem. So there's a horror film that you caught that hasn't really made it big time. It wasn't really that popular. But you think I should definitely give a look because it's just one of those films that slipped under the radar and it's worth an, uh, you know a decent viewing, give me a shout. Uh, find us on... And don't forget, if you want to share this podcast, which would help immensely, um, we are on all platforms that you can possibly think of. Any podcasting app, um, 
we're there. We're on Apple Music, we're on Spotify, we're on Google Podcasts, uh, we're on every kind of podcast app, Pocket Casts, um, all of them. I don't, I don't I don't even know the names of all of them. We're on Deezer as well. Um, we're now on YouTube too. I am actually officially a YouTuber now, which is kind of strange. Um, there's no video to go along with it at the moment. It's just a static um, image. But talking to people, making discussions, there is a chance that I might expand this onto into a bit of YouTube as well. I'm thinking of doing possible reactions videos or video essays. But um, if that's going to happen, then I need to get on, on board with an editor of some sort. So um, hit me up. Let me know. What do you think? What do you think I should do with this? Are you happy with it just being as it is at the moment in its current format? Or do you want me to expand this and, you know, make it a little bit more involved, a little bit more in-depth, a little bit more, you know, expand it somehow? But anyway, let's move on and let's get on with our film reviews. Now, first up is Looper from Ryan Johnson, which stars Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Joe, a contract killer for the syndicate who, unable to dispose of bodies in the future, send their targets to the past where a looper agent kills them and disposes of the body. Their victim, always masked for anonymity, has silver bars strapped to them as payment, but once the contract ends, the loop is closed when their future self is sent back as their final target. The first they know of this is finding gold, not silver, strapped to them. But when Joe's future self appears, things do not go according to plan. With future Joe determined to escape and change his future for the better, young Joe must track him down before he is killed in his place. As his, his employers hunt him down, he realises the syndicate would rather kill either of them to solve their little problem. But there's more to the story when a kid with a dark destiny becomes an unwitting target. One thing's for sure, time waits for no man. Now, if you haven't seen this already, it's quite a mind bender and it was quite a, a for a lot of people who hadn't seen the likes of brick etc this was the first introduction to ryan johnson and uh his really interesting and uh captivating filmmaking um it's a wonderful story about um as i say a guy who's you know killing people from the future uh, for money um you know there's there's, there's no comeback for him just blasts people away with his blunderbuss, puts them through an incinerator, no evidence, no 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 investigation, no missing person to even look for. It's the easiest and most simplest crime in the world. Um, and he's making quite a lot of money off it. Uh, money that he's saving for a rainy day, especially. Or uh, supposedly. But... Um, yeah, so uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays young Joe. Bruce Willis plays old Joe. And uh, the two of them have this, this cat and mouse thing where they're chasing each other down. And young Joe knows from like seeing his mate Seth, who didn't kill his future self, let him escape. Um, and the way they they captured future uh, Seth was they captured young Seth and started chopping him up into bits and pieces. That meant that future... Um, Seth couldn't get away, you know, trying to climb a fence, realises his hand's missing, tries to run down the street, his feet disappear. Whatever they do to the young version of him ends up happening to the future version of him. 
so yeah, uh, Joe knows that he's in, in in real danger, and if he doesn't kill his future self, then his current self is going to be the target. So off he goes, but he finds out that the old version of himself has an agenda, um, that he wants to change the future. So he must figure out exactly what it is he's trying to do and see if he can get a step ahead of him, try to cut him off and put everything to rest so that he can go into retirement and live out his life. So it's a very complex story, but really beautifully executed. It's a very interesting script and it's great performances from both Joseph Gordon-Levitt and um, from Bruce Willis. And there's a bunch of great supporting cast as well. Paul Dano's in it. He's brilliant in everything. Uh, Jeff Daniels is great too. But it's the um, it's the style of the film that really kind of draws you in. Because it's got this kind of sleek kind of um, like noir feel to it. Which is kind of Ryan Johnson's thing. Have you seen Brick? Again, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's in that as well, I believe. Um, you know, he, he goes for this kind of pulpy, noir-type crime thriller. But he likes to put his own twist on it by giving it this kind of unexpected uh, sci-fi element. Um, I mean, that's not his theme for all his films. Um, but he, he manages to put twists into films that you don't see coming. And it's not the usual kind of, like, rug pulled out of you M. Night Shyamalan um, type film where you just get to the end and you're like, wait, what? Um, he's very, very clever and he's there's a lot of work goes into his films. There's a lot of planning and careful, you know, meticulous script writing and plot development, which means that his films do come out to be quite, you know, quite a mind bender at times, but really easy to follow and um, wonderfully rewarding for those that pay attention. Uh, so yeah, Looper, absolutely fantastic. Again, complex because there's a paradox where um, future Joe is trying to convince his past self that what he's doing is right. But at the same time, he shouldn't have to because it's him. It's his past. Anyway, I'm not going to give away too much about what happens. If you haven't seen the film already, do give it a try. It's a brilliant movie. And it really kind of set Ryan Johnson up to be uh, a filmmaker worth watching. Um, if you've seen Knives Out, you'll know that his uh, attempt at doing a whodunit also knocked that one out of the park. Absolutely fantastic. And for me, the only decent film of the uh, sequel trilogy for Star Wars, Last Jedi... I had this conversation with my mate Ben the other day. It really is, and you really need to kind of sit down and consider all three films. Last Jedi, as much as it got a lot of shit from fans, it was the best one of that trilogy. And it is actually a, a better film that people give it credit for. Um, there's some really, really brave stuff going on there, but there's some actual, like, intelligent storytelling going on, which um, the J.J. Abrams versions just didn't quite manage to 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 get right you know force awakens was basically uh, an updated remake of new hope and rise of skywalker was someone trying to get away with farting and sharting yes that's 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 the analogy i'm making and i didn't really think that one through and it's quite disgusting but the last yeah, The Rise of the Skywalker was 
a shot of a film. And I think I'll leave that one there. I, I need to sit down at some point and do a Star Wars special. Um, and maybe I'll do that when the season two of The Mandalorian drops. Because I can't talk about The Mandalorian because it's a TV series. But, um, yeah. Moving on to our next film, though. Predestination stars Ethan Hawke as an agent who travels through time to prevent crimes and save lives. But after stopping a bomb from killing many isn't people, he's badly burnt and barely survives the attack. Once he recovers, he agrees to go on his final mission, travelling back to 1970 where he meets John, a man who writes romantic fiction under a pseudonym. John regales the agent with the story of how he became John as we find out he was born Jane an incredibly gifted and bright young girl whose life is turned upside down as a result of incredible series of events result in her becoming a man. As his story is revealed, it becomes apparent to him that the agent might not be a regular barkeep, but chooses to trust him after being promised a chance to change their past and make everything right. But as it transpires that the agent is not being totally honest, John must determine if he's being duped or if he really can change the past. All he knows is the answers he seeks may not be the answers he wants. Now, I stumble across this film. Um, I do like Ethan Hawke. I think he's a great actor. And um, after seeing Daywalkers, I know that this was actually from the same filmmakers. If you, if you haven't seen Daywalkers, it's a very, very interesting take on the whole vampire dynamic. Um, and uh, yeah, a very, very interesting film. A, a very good filmmaker from what I could tell. Um, but this one... I mean, I hadn't heard anything about it. I was just kind of deep diving for some random films. And I think I found it on Netflix one day and thought, I'll give that a go. And I'm so glad I did. I've watched it a few times now. And it's one of those um, incredibly uh, intelligent films that has you really, really scratching your head at the end of it. Um, and it's it's one of those thing, films that you don't necessarily have to watch twice. But watching a second time will give you a, a brand new appreciation of the film. But it's it's easy enough to follow. Uh, as complex as the story is, um, someone who has to be basically be hired from someone from the future to affect their own past. Yeah, you know, it's it's. I, I really can't go into too much detail without giving too much away because the the twists at the end of this film are so wonderfully delicious that it does really kind of make you sit back in your seat and go, how the fuck did I not see that? It really does take you for, you know, it spins you on your heels and suddenly has you seeing things from a different perspective. And it really does come across from these wonderful performances from the cast, but it's just a wonderfully paced movie with interesting, like the actual narrative doesn't get too tied up in technical details. It doesn't try to bamboozle you with um, science that you may or may not understand or that may or may not tie up. Um, it just tells the story of people and their actions and their lives. Um, and it's kept so simple that even though it is a very complex paradox of stories intertwined affecting each other, both past, present and future, you do follow it quite simply and you are rewarded again at the end by um, a plot which is so intricately simple in its complexity 
that you really have to just kind of like sit back and admire the screenwriter for what they've done because not only is it a compelling story, a real kind of detective story that you just, you feel like you understand exactly what's happening, but every now and again, a little bit of truth is revealed, which suddenly makes you rethink everything you'd assumed about the film. Um, and as I say, it has a wonderful, a wonderfully rewarding ending where everything gets tied up nicely in a nice little neat little bow. But it, it just, as the credits are rolling, you just sit back in your seat and you think, what the hell did I just watch? Um, and the thing is, it's because of the simplicity of it. It's because the, the, they're not trying to, um, you know, catch the viewer out and just completely bamboozle them with crazy technical information. Because it is simple and because you are following it, when the twists are revealed, there is a part of you that that just kind of feels duped in a way and just feels like kind of you know what I mean. It's just it's just slightly amazing that you were caught out and you didn't manage to read between the lines and see exactly what was going on. But yeah, it's it's a really, really clever film. Um it's currently available, I think, on um Amazon Prime. Um, but any way you get to find this film, do give it a watch because you will thoroughly enjoy it. And what I forgot as well, because I, I did re-watch it for this podcast, it also stars Noah Taylor, who's one of those interesting character actors that you see popping up here, there and everywhere. Um, but someone I actually got to meet on the set of Paddington 2. Uh, he was playing one of the uh, prisoners, as I was. Um, and yeah, got to sit opposite for him for a couple of days eating marmalade sandwiches. A thoroughly nice chap. Um, and it's just a nice thing that I keep seeing him pop up and stuff. Because I remember seeing him on set and going, oh yeah, I know you from... from." And luckily I didn't say what I knew him from because I couldn't think of anything at the time. But he's one of those actors that's just been in everything. Um, and he doesn't have a huge role in this, but he has a significant one. And um, yeah, it's one of those little hidden gems. And it's not my actual hidden gem this week, but it is a hidden gem. And I thoroughly recommend that you go out and find Predestination. As I say, it's on Amazon Prime. If you've got Amazon Prime, give it a watch. You will not be disappointed. Um, and let me know what you thought of it. Um, I do recommend films constantly, and I don't get a lot of feedback from people who actually go and watch those films um, and what they actually thought of them. Uh, I'm intrigued. I'm trying to... I'm giving you my opinion, and that's all this is. I'm just giving you opinions. And it's a, it's a very biased opinion as well. I've got my personal preferences and, and tastes. And I know it's not always going to align with the, the listener. And you're not always going to agree with me on the kind of films that I enjoy and the films that I don't enjoy. But that's the whole point. I'm all over social media. If you disagree with me, let me know. If you agree with me, then definitely let me know. Because I love having my ego massaged. If I'm right, then tell me about it. Do me a favour. I really need it. Now... My final film that I'm reviewing this week um, is the first foreign language film that I've reviewed on the podcast, which is quite something, because um, I'm looking at my stack of DVDs now. Um, I have a lot of foreign films, and I don't know why I haven't really touched on that yet. Um, like A lot of films are French. I have a lot of French films, and no, that, that's not my subtle euphemism of saying, like, I have a lot of French movies about the boobies. 
and yeah, not porn. Um, thinking about it now, have I ever watched any French porn? That's really not a discussion for this podcast. Anyway, my final film this week is Time Crimes, which is a Spanish film from Nacho Vigalondo about a man called Hector, played by Cara. Now I'm going to give this surname a, um, a try, but I. I'm not Spanish. I do not speak Spanish. I'm learning Spanish, but I don't know. Um, Noel, if you're listening to this one, please tell me I've got this this right. Cara Elejalde, spelled E-L-E-J-A-L-D-E. Elejalde? I think that's what it is. Anyway, he plays a guy called Hector. Now, and as his house is being renovated, Hector sits in his garden, taking in the landscape with his binoculars when he spots a woman in the forest undressing. He is briefly interrupted by his wife, who says a goodbye before heading out, and once in the clear, Hector makes his way into the woods, only to find the woman naked and unconscious. Before he knows what's happening, he's attacked by a man with bandages covering his face, and must run to safety. Guided by a friendly stranger on a walkie-talkie, Hector runs to a strange building where the stranger shows him a place to hide. But when he emerges, Hector finds himself somehow transported to the very recent past. Incapable of understanding what's happened, Hector realises he now has a chance to save the girl from the bandaged madman before it's too late. Soon, however, he learns his mission is severely more complex than he assumed. And before long, he's caught in the game of cat and mouse with not only the madman, but his past self also. Now, again... This was another one of my wonderful finds when I was doing a bit of treasure hunting and trying to find films that, you know, films that I would have missed. Um, but also I like to just delve into the world of world cinema, really. Um, you know, in England, and I'm sure it's the same in America, we get a lot of just English-speaking films and a lot of the big films that are released in the cinema are English-speaking films by... English or American directors or Australian or one of those demographics. But, you know, it's just a case of we don't really get a lot of foreign language films. And I used to love staying up as a kid and watching um, world cinema. There used to be shows on BBC Two and Channel Four. Um, and that's how I really got to know Mark Commode, first of all. Um, yeah, most of my film advice was coming from Mark Commode and Barry Norman growing up. Um, but yeah. Time Crimes is a Spanish film, um, and it's a very simple film, in fact. Um, it's just about this guy, uh, as I say, he gets into an awkward situation where um, he's just trying to be a little bit pervy and gets attacked by some horrific character that he can't describe um, and finds an, uh, an ally in this man... In a, in a building that, you know, he doesn't really ask any questions, but this guy says, like, I understand the bandage man is after you. I can help you. I can hide you. Um, but realising that he's not just been hidden, but sent backwards through time, uh, he feels like he has the power to actually do something good with this opportunity. And without questioning it too much, he throws himself headfirst into it. No real planning. Um, and for that reason finds himself way out of his depth and in a situation of dire consequences on the run from 
unknown faces um, in a situation that, for all his good intentions, he keeps making worse. Um, and this is another paradox uh, where the more he tries to interfere, the more he realises that he's the one he's interfering with. Um, and it's 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 a really clever and funny and charming little film because this character, he's, you know, the perfect, not anti-hero necessarily, but inept hero. Uh, he's a balding middle-aged man who had no idea of what he was getting himself involved in. Um, and the more he tries to outsmart himself, the more he finds that he's just completely out of his depth. Um, I say Caro gives a, an amazing performance. Nacho, the, the filmmaker himself, is actually in the film as like the guy who controls the time machine. Um, but it's just one of those beautiful films that uh, very cleverly uses flashbacks to kind of reveal things that you, you missed. Um, and whilst, yeah, it does benefit from a second viewing, as these paradox films do, um, the filmmaker does you a favour in this one by giving you a few little kind of hints and little kind of flashbacks to things which you might have missed, which, um, in fact, sometimes it's stuff that you definitely missed, uh, because we're seeing things from the, the perspective of Hector, and Hector doesn't always see what's going on. Um, and it's only as he he travels back and, and you know, interacts with the past, he realises how things actually work. But most of the time he's realising things just a little bit too late, and the more he tries to rectify his mistakes, the worse the situation gets. And it's a wonderful, wonderful film. It's so well executed. It's such a perfectly, you know, timed and scripted film. Like, the way it's edited together, everything works so well um, that you just have to take your hat off to the, the, the screenwriter, the filmmaker, Nacho. He's, I think, he's the, the screenwriter, director, um, and star of the film. Not necessarily the star of the film, but one of the stars of the film. And he just absolutely knocks it out of the park. It's such an enjoyable film. It's such a, a wonderful, uh, as I say, entertaining um, and witty little film that doesn't take itself too seriously, but doesn't try to get too complicated as well, so it doesn't end up writing in big plot holes that just, you know, weaken the film structurally. It's it's perfectly sound in its, you know, narrative. And it, it really is just a wonderfully charming film. I, I really enjoyed it. And when I started thinking about time travel films, um, and film, film, you know, films that reminded me of Tenet and the way it kind of, you know, had to be written backwards at certain points. This is one of the first films that came to mind and, and kind of inspired this theme for this week's podcast. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm not really sure where you can find it. I've got it on DVD. I've had it for quite a while. But it is a wonderful, wonderful film. Um, and if you can get a hold of it, if you can get a copy of it, if you can see it anywhere on any streaming platform, I couldn't find it on Netflix. And Prime will mention it, but won't let you watch it. Um, so if you do find it, give it a try because you will absolutely adore it. Uh, if you really feel like you trust me and, and the films that I recommend to you and you want to take a chance on a really weird time travel film from Spain, go on Amazon and order yourself a copy of Time Crimes by Nacho Vigalondo. It's brilliant. And it's uh, a true hidden gem and indie classic, all rolled into one. The gift that keeps on giving. But yeah, that's it. That's the podcast you've been waiting two weeks for. 
It's actually quite a short one this week. Um, and I think that might have something to do with the amount of caffeine that I've had. Um, I kind of rushed through some of the news because it was just a bit exciting, but um, yeah, that's pretty much it for this week. As I say, I've got some ideas of what I want to do with this podcast, and um, there will be a, a soft reboot at some point towards the end of the year. Um, I might actually leave it till the new year and just have a complete relaunch of the show. Um, I'm speaking to graphic uh, designers about creating new logos and kind of visuals for the podcast. Um, I've been in contact with a, um, a good mate of mine, Ian, about the possibility of working on some um, original music for the podcast. Um, I've got film critic fans that I want to work with. As I say, Chris Barnard at Fast Film Reviews does these amazing reviews on, on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and I know he wants to do some more kind of uh, visual stuff on YouTube. And we've both been talking about different ideas, so we might have to put our heads together and see if we can make something work. But yeah, um, as far as the podcast goes, you know, I haven't been on it recently. And I understand that it's kind of been slacking. It's been coming a few days late or it's not been coming at all. Um I don't know what the hell happened last week. It just, as I say, the week got away from me and suddenly I found myself sat on a, the set of a new TV show that I've been working on. Um, yeah, and just suddenly realising, holy shit, I've, I've completely forgot to do the podcast. So I do apologise that you've not had one in the last two weeks. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I apologise. I don't really know what happened. There was a, a case of... Just too much stuff going on and, and, and random things happening all at once. Um, but also just kind of losing track of time and, yeah, just not, just being lazy. If I'm going to be honest, laziness is a huge factor as to why this podcast is a, a week late. Um, but I'm I'm glad that you guys are still tuning in. Um, there's a hell of an audience on this thing now. Uh, I, meant, I meant to put a, a list together of all the different countries that are listening and especially in America, there are so many different listeners across the states, mostly down the east side. Um, so I don't really know what's going on there. There's a couple of people in California that listen, but it's mainly east side. So big up yourself, east side massive. Um, and also that one person that listened that one time in Alberta, Canada, please tune in again because you're my entire audience for that fucking country. Um, and yeah, I need you. I need you. Um, but again, if you want to recommend this podcast to anyone, there is literally a myriad of ways, a plethora of different avenues to explore it and enjoy it on different platforms, uh, different mediums. However you want to get into this podcast, if you enjoy it um, and you want to support it, the best thing you can do is A, download it, B, actually fucking listen to it c subscribe whatever platform you're listening to this on please do subscribe it makes a huge difference d leave a review if you're listening to it on a certain platform then you got to understand that thousands of other people will be searching through that said platform to look at different podcasts and if they see someone going hey this is a really good one check it out they do end up tuning in I've got a few good reviews on Amazon, but that's pretty much it. Nowhere else seems to be getting any, you know, feedback. Um, so I really do appreciate that. And again, the last thing you do, E, 
share it. Um, stick it on your Facebook. Um, retweet it or fucking send the Instagram story to someone. But see if you can get someone listening to the podcast. I understand that my use of profane language and some of the, the vulgar things that I come out with sometimes means that you're not always keen on sharing it with other people. Um, but hey, listen, I'm not going for um, a mass audience. I'm going for my audience. Um, uh, some people are going to like it, some people don't. You know, I, I get some good feedback from people who do appreciate the way I do it. Um, some people would like it if I swore less, because then they'd be able to listen to it when the kids are in the room. Sorry, Sarah. But, yeah, um, if you do like it, I mean, I thoroughly, you know, I'm so very grateful for your support. Um, it doesn't have a huge audience, but knowing that there are a certain amount of people that will tune in every single week to listen to it, no matter what, there's there aren't many of you, but every single one of you is super important. And you're the reason why I keep coming back and doing it. You're the reason why I feel guilty if I forget to do it or if I'm late doing it. Um, so I do fully appreciate everything that my fans are doing. My fans, listen to me. Jesus, that sounds fucking terrible. Um, my, my listeners thoroughly appreciate it. And, uh, as I say, I will be back next week. I will try to make sure it's on time, on schedule, release Sunday afternoon so that you can bring it with you on your Monday commute. This motherfucker has to go to an actual office job tomorrow morning. So I will be indulging in some podcasts, but I'm screwing because I actually just finished listening to my audiobook. And I don't get another credit until the 21st. Yeah. So podcast it is. I'll be indulging in them. I'll be uh, trying to listen to some. Um, so if, if you enjoy this podcast, please share it, subscribe it, recommend it, review it, do all that jazz. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it for this week. It's a bit of a short one. But um, as per usual, I wish you all peace, love and empathy. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, enjoy your week, and enjoy your movies. Take care.